coming up on the midnight hour. He basically now talks like any other bloke would talk. He doesn't even like have any distortions. He's just a normal talking bloke, right? 2002, we find out that he had sex possibly with a corpse. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, it's revealed in a promo that this character, whilst he was in college, he actually... power in the verse can stop me what's going on guys my name is al de niro and welcome to episode 90 something this is the only part that i should do any research on before i start recording i don't know what episode number it is it might be 96 it might be 95 i'm joined today by a first time guest his name is miguel or miggy mig or the notorious mig he's regularly known by all of those names (laughs) in some circles yeah um his origins are unknown some say that they were lost within a maze of mystery. Um, but for those of you who are like hardcore wrestling fans, you may know him as the perpet- the, per- per- the purveyor of the Steiner Files videos, uh, which were like a pretty big deal back in the day on uh, the the IWC, which is the Internet Wrestling Community. Um, was that intro fair enough? <laughs> Do you have anything? That to intro add? was awesome. Okay. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, uh, FYI, if, if anybody wants to look it up, there is one, st- it's not even that interesting, it's just basically I always take someone's promo and put, because a guy can barely fucking talk, and just put a bunch of subtitles towards that sound approximately like it, to hilarious outcomes. I think one of them's still on YouTube, because I like, I looked for it, and I commented on it being like, hey, that's my video. Problem is, I had a different account, so... It looked like it came from like some maniac being like, "Hey, that's my video." So, yeah. yeah, you're not. The intro of that video doesn't say your name because I basically every YouTube account I have, I just lose either get blocked for obviously for content or you know forget the password. Yeah, basically. that happens. Um, so for the listeners, this episode is going to be about wrestling. But if you're not a wrestling nerd, you've never watched wrestling in your life. Um, you'll still be able to follow along and you'll still be able to have fun because we're going to talk about wrestling itself, the concept, rather than esoteric references and conversations about things that have happened within wrestling. Uh, we'll explain everything as like a wrestling 101, wrestling for dummies, like that kind of deal. Um, and I guess I really just want to get to the root of why I like wrestling because I don't fit the the, you know profile of a stereotypical wrestling fan and it's driving me to the point of identity crisis at this point so uh i need to figure out why i like wrestling or else you know this is all gonna be over but a quick uh, promo plug here myself and miguel are starting a wrestling podcast which yeah, will be called, <laughs> yeah, let's get this in. Um, yeah, I'm not going to link to the channel just yet because it's not fully ready. Um, but I will link to our Twitter handle if you want to get in on the really ground floor and add to our, what is it, two followers we've got on there at the moment? Is I it- think it's basically us. It used to be some rapper with like 190,000 followers called like Sonic Dodger or whatever the fuck, but he's yeah he's dropped out of the project. He's, he's had enough <laughs> already, and we haven't yeah. even uploaded content yet. That's a good sign. Yeah, he he just he had a look, didn't like what he saw, and just walked away. <laughs> <laughs> the interesting thing is, I don't think I even follow it. 
<laughs> Do you not? I maybe he is so. one of them. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, either way, there's like two followers on there. Um, and you should add yourself to that list because we will be posting content pretty damn soon. Uh, we're, we're nearly ready. It's definitely happening. Um, but that Twitter handle is at WWP Slam. And the joke there is that it's a Twitter handle slam. But that's too many characters. <laughs> it was like it was like the joke that never was. But yeah. if you explain it every time, I suppose it then becomes a trope of a joke that never was. So it's that's that's it's got it's got levels to it. Yeah, yeah. We, we need to we need to make it become a thing. Um, but yeah, it's at WWP Slam. WWP stands for What Wrestling Podcast because for because reasons that we'll explain in the first episode um but yeah if you're you know if you like wrestling or whatever uh go check that out and get ready for content because it will be starting pretty soon i reckon we're probably about two weeks away from launching maybe i'd Um, yeah i'd say within october definitely yeah yeah that's it so um other details will follow uh on that but other than that let's get into the episode so i guess the first thing to start off with is just the concept of wrestling itself as it appears to you. Like, what do you consider pro wrestling to be? Because it's it's the weirdest thing that we even call it wrestling, right? Because it isn't a combat sport at all. And in fact, it's basically a reality TV, a scripted reality TV show of sorts um, that's actually about a wrestling company rather than and it it does contain wrestling but it it doesn't contain any sort of legitimate competition would you say i I like yeah i I would say historically so if you go back to like the early early that you know i think like abe lincoln was an actual wrestling champion i was like some weird rumor (laughs) he was a world champion he was a vampire killer wasn't he as well as that, he was oh, he wow. was uh, moonlighting as a professional wrestler. No, sorry, they were around. He was moonlighting <laughs> at night. He was out on the vampires during the day. Man's just winning fake fake wrestling belts. But like, because yeah, there's people who are like, oh, there's a certain title, uh, world title, that you can connect all the way down to like Abe Lincoln. It's like probably <laughs> can't. That's 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 reaching. That's very reaching. But yeah. so in the early early days, it was like it was it was sort of mixed with a whole like. Um, circus gimmick. It was like, um, come see these two dudes fight, and you kind of bet money on it. The promoter would bet money on it, but the, um, my guess is that the two people in the fight, obviously, they'd know who who would win mm. because at some point they must have realized, hang on a minute, if we script this, um, and by the way, this would have been hella boring, but obviously at the time, highly you know revolutionary. Yeah. If we script this, we can both make money from this. Because we can both take a cut of the final amount, and and the p- promoter gets his bit, I get my bit, you get your bit, and and only only the three of us at this point know what's really going on. Yeah, and this would have been your very 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 vanilla basic good guy bad guy premise where the yeah. bad guy is sort of big and has absolutely no charisma whatsoever, and he just sees people and thinks, smash. And the good guy is a wholesome family individual with an American flag draped around him. And he looks better, he's got more charisma, and he just wins because he's a good guy. And that's pretty much the premise that pro wrestling was built on, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. 
uh, sort of rules. Obviously, the rules have changed long, thankfully. They have changed a lot. But, yeah, that's that was the basic sort of premise. And usually, like, the absolute most basic, like you said, like the absolute most basic bad guy tropes. Oh, he's foreign. He is um, – he hates this country, yet he – tries to be here for a living but he's like openly being like i hate it being here um he would you know he he doesn't doesn't like the fans it's like it's like your classic you know it happens in almost um every sort of fighting sport is is you get characters out of it and i suppose this is where the idea of then the character properly comes in because then you're talking like okay how can i distinguish myself okay i'll, I'll be a farmer or i'll be i don't know a fucking butcher, dancer, yeah. a dancer. So you start to then move into like characterizations of like you draw people in with your charisma and your mic skills and the way the way that you engage to someone, the way you promote this thing to someone. Um, and and like even even with most things around the world, it's it's promotion that really really puts that seal of approval. It's like a trailer for a film, where it's like it. it it's a way to getting people in. So you're kind of going, come see my match, and people go, why? And then you kind of talk about yourself in, in, in a way that is either going to annoy people to the point where they go, I want to see this person get their head kicked in, or the other way around, you go, I'm really cheering for this guy because I can relate his struggle because he's explained, oh, I'm, I'm a working class guy. I, you know, I barely make any money, and you know, you got this guy over here, this rich character. So, so it's like, it's really like, the basic of basic storytelling yeah yeah there's a really good video called wrestling isn't wrestling produced by max landis and in oh, it, it's phenomenal it's so damn good yeah it's a, it's a bit of a long watch but it kind of gives the ultimate like reasoning behind what a wrestling fan is thinking but in it he says wrestling has more in common with game of thrones than it does with ufc and that's pretty much like the way it is like the, the the characters that appear in wrestling and the gimmicks that they um make those appearances with are, are like outwardly insane and really difficult to explain to people who don't really understand like what wrestling is um when did you first start watching wrestling for context you're like the same age as me so yeah yeah so i started watching wrestling like it's not even that long ago in terms of like fandom 2015 um, yeah 2012 <laughs> it was during no it was um <laughs> it was last week no um it's just as well actually that we grew up during like the internet age and the sort of dvd age because that that helped a lot and video games too but like what it was is my dad got me um was it wwf just bring it so it's like 2004 so that game was a bit old yeah and little running joke between me and Elden Ear, obviously, like, a man is always playing a game slightly out of date. I tend to play very old games as it is. Miguel does not own a single piece of technology post-2008, roughly. Um, no, it, it peaked then. I'll, I'll regularly message him, like, oh, what's up, bro, what are you doing? And he'll be like, oh, I'm just playing SmackDown vs. Raw 2006. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude, I'm just kicking up Streets of Rage on the PS3. Oh, yeah. would that come out in 1990s? Like, yes. That is, um, that is pretty much as... Uh, by the way, just, just sorry to cut you across, um, anyone still listening and you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment and say what country you think uh, Miguel is from. <laughs> okay, yeah. continue. Or I'm not from. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so he gets me the game, and I, you know, I start playing and everything, and I'm just like, this is awesome. Like, is this is based on a real thing? And it's like, yeah, yeah, it's based on this. And like, I have vague memories of watching WC when I was really young. 
Yeah. Um, this that's a company specific company, but like not enough to be like, oh yeah, that's my. Some people have that thing where they're like, oh, I used to watch it with my grandparents when I was like two years old or three years old, and I remember she would like so and so against so and so. I'm like, I don't have any of that. Like I came into it because of the game, and there's a whole reason like why my whole family we got Sky Sports. It was just like I don't. I mean, I watched football, but it was just like fuck that. It was all about like where's the wrestling because they they used to run it. Um, and yeah, like that's when I kind of came into it. And, and what drew me in, I suppose, was never athleticism of it. And athleticism is a big part of it as well. Um, but you'll find yourself being more drawn into the characters. So yeah. I suppose that's where the Game of Thrones comparison comes in because you're like, yeah, the special effects are awesome and this and that and the moments are quite epic. But like if you didn't have all the character foundation of that person – you couldn't care less about it. It's like a bad guy in an action film. He could die in an epic way, but you're like, who was that? Just move on. Yeah. Kills the next one. Um, yeah, so so from that point, because I remember, like, first I playing it, so 2001, so we're talking, like, luckily also it's a good period to watch wrestling because you had, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin, old Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. So, and you had, um, they had mainstream popularity as well, so you can actually still talk about it. It was mm-hmm. like, it's okay to talk about it. Yeah, it, every everyone from that time knows those names. Like they were touchstones in pop culture at the time. Like yeah, you know, a huge deal, global like phenomenon. Like just my aunt who would not approve of anybody watching wrestling or care about wrestling. Like she knows the name Stone Cold Steve Austin, and she doesn't know it because of that TV show from the seventies or whatever. Yeah, Million Dollar Man or whatever. And that's ironic, by the way. That's another wrestler. Um, But yeah, so we, as kind of like me and my sister, my older sister, like she got into it and I got into it, like just the idea of like, what is this? Like, how does this work? And then I I like the progress of the fandom and I'm kind of getting away from your question here a bit, but I, it was, and then it was more, it was because you watch it and you're like, okay, how did this happen? How did that happen? I'd better tune in next week. So it's like a, a soap opera that it's main sort of medium of the expressions is through the matches. That's what like develops the story or gives you a payoff to the story. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much it. I, um, I started with, WCW, which is for anyone that doesn't know or knows nothing about wrestling, WCW was the good company. <laughs> Historically, it was the the more stable company. It had the better wrestlers. I loved WCW. A bit more southern. Yeah, yeah. Just and also, for, my favorite thing about WCW, amidst the absolute litany of chaotic and just horrendously bad decisions they made. My favorite thing was the time that Hacksaw Jim Duggan found the WCW TV title in a bin and then he was the champion because he found the belt in a bin. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's real. It's, oh, it's, it's, it's just, it, it does not get any more real than that. Um, <laughs> but I started watching with WCW in the 90s and there was a character called Sting who was um, originally like a surfer dude who I would not have identified with at all. But then he became this dark, um, this this sort of dark, vengeful figure who hung around in the rooftops, and um, his appearance was modeled off of Brandon Lee's The Crow, uh, which was like my favorite movie as a kid. So then Sting naturally became my favorite wrestler, and 
um, just watching him like beating people up with his baseball bat or whatever, uh, and then like other guys came in like Goldberg and uh, just just like guys that I thought were just awesome at the time, like like the coolest um, action heroes that you looked up to as a kid. I had that like exact experience with uh, WCW wrestlers. Um, and that was pretty much how I got into the whole idea of the thing itself. I didn't particularly care or ever give thought to whether or not it was fake. And people in school, I mean, for context, I was like seven or eight at the time. Mm. And people in school would always, there'd always be that one guy who's like, it's fake, lads. Wrestling is, is completely fake. And you'd either be like, no, it isn't. Shut up, you idiot. How is this fake? He hit him in the head with a steel chair. Or else you'd be like, yeah, even so, like, it's still really good and I don't care. Like, it being real or not is is completely irrelevant to my ability to enjoy it. And yes, when yeah. I was seven, that's how I spoke as eloquently and, as I... and, and And not to mention, yeah, that argument, like, obviously when you're young, all you, all you can say is that no, no, it's real. And, and obviously, but it's like, it's one of those things that by watching it, you've already made a kind of pre-agreement that you're entering this different world in which, like, the the rules of society wouldn't work there, yeah, you know, yeah. because no one would fight, because it would just be like, oh, sorry about that, bumping into you during that match. Oh, no problem. All right, I'll see you next week. All right, mate, bye, and just leave. And yeah, it's it's another thing as well, because someone someone quite recently said that, and I didn't think people still had that attitude, because obviously when I talked about um the fact that we'll be doing a podcast separate to this, and even this in general, what the topic would have been, do you know it's fake, right? I was like. 26 i've been watching it for a while i didn't didn't want to get all like so i just kind of turned that around i said but when you watch a film and i don't know fucking jason statham kicks a dude in the chest and like kills him instantly do you turn around to your friend and go oh by the way that wasn't real no when you watch a soap and they're acting and 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 there's an emotional scene even the tv show like all right that's breaking bad you don't go like Oh yeah, but he's not really a meth dealer. He's just a man playing a meth dealer. It's like, no, you you've entered that thing. So that thing is already in front of you. And so you've accepted the fact that yes, it is fake, but that's okay because that actually helps because then you can basically control where you're going with things and and change things as you go along based on reactions. I just want to touch on the just to catch on to you, this thing you said about Sting. That story how he went from being a sort of blonde um, so you know, like the term "baby face" is yeah. obviously means people who don't shave, who shave and have baby faces. But like the term "baby face" is basically your classic squeaky clean good guy. Yeah. And this is what he was. You know, he's doing it for the right reasons. He's fighting all the bad guys, whether they're rich, whether they're for, happen to be foreign, <laughs> whether um, you know, for whatever reason you want to want to create your your sort of stereotypical bad guy. And what happened was you get this group that comes along and they're beating the shit out of everybody. This actually make a good story in general. I think like from comic books maybe or or like an anime or even like a TV show in general where you get this group of people who just attack and beat up everybody in the roster and are called the New World Order. I think even just the origin story of the NWO itself and how well WCW um, handled the... Uh, like to, to uh, we actually just explain it because it is actually awesome what happened. Um, was two yeah, guys yeah, yeah. Diesel and Razor Ramon, two wrestlers from WWF, the rival company, and these two companies existed parallel to one another. 
Um, WWF was getting higher ratings and was considered to be the better company uh, up until around 90... Was it 96, 97? Yeah, that was the turning point. Not not to mention as well, like much like in a TV show or anything else. I started to jump in, but it's just like you don't acknowledge the competition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they ne- so, so they, they never made reference to one another, and it was this really kind of like uh, like almost like an elephant in the room situation. And yeah. then WCW received major backing from a guy called Ted Turner, who owned um, Turner Network Corporation, Turner News yeah. Corporation, or something like Broadcasting that. Broadcasting or something. Yeah. yeah. So this this guy's a billionaire, and he was he just believed in pro wrestling. He was a fan, and he funneled loads of money into WCW's budget, uh, allowing them to go after other talents. And they signed Razor Ramon and Diesel. Uh, but these two guys, their rights belonged to the WWF, so they couldn't use those names. So when they yeah. appeared in WCW for the very first time, they in, well, one of them, it was, it was Scott Hall, Razor Ramon first, he appeared, and he interfered in a match, and the commentators were like, whoa, what the hell is he doing here? And it was made to look like he had come across from WWF on behalf of WWF to fuck yeah. up WCW's shit. And then Kevin Nash, who is Diesel, he did the same thing. And they never alluded to their names at all. But it was obvious that everyone knew it was Diesel and Razor Ramon. And it was just so clever. And it was uh, just treated as this like major angle. And it got people to watch WCW by using the talent in WWF. And it was just... Like, I don't just as a business strategy and everything like that. Like, I just really admire how ballsy it is and how innovative it was at the time. Um, so, yeah, they, they eventually went on to call themselves the New World Order. And I'll let you get back to telling the story. Yeah, yeah. And then I had a third member, which I'm sure we'll talk about because he's kind of relevant in wrestling. So, you had these two lads um, beating up, like, like I was saying, beating up everybody. But then you had a lad who was dressed up like Sting. So he'd paint his face and he's a blonde dude. And he'd also attack the good guys. And everybody else is kind of like, yo, what's the deal? Like, why are you attacking our guys? And he's like, it's not me. It's an imposter. They don't believe him. He just eventually, and he kind of goes through his emo stage. You know, and that's because he grew his hair out. He stopped dyeing his hair blonde. So, yeah, he literally just looks like Brandon Lee. And every couple of episodes, you just see him staring at everything from, like, either the top of the, the ring, which is, like, the rafters, or he'd come in um, and just point his bat. And he wouldn't say a word, and the people would go nuts as well. Yeah. And it's, like, the best example of silent charisma you'll ever see. Because it wasn't like he even had expressions, because the whole point of the character was he was he was just, like... Ultimately I, faceless. I, yeah. And he's not even portraying himself as a good guy at that point. He's kind of going like, I was betrayed by my own group of people. I swear this is like some weird, like a superhero origin stories always have some weird dark past as well. Rick in The and, Walking Dead kind of has a similar arc at one point where he's, it's not really clear if he's a good guy or a bad guy. And he's sort of lost in like in choosing between the two and he doesn't really know where he belongs and he's in some sort yeah. of weird... Uh, philosophical limbo and it's it's uh, he's not the worst guy basically mm-hmm. that's the thing because I, I suppose yeah you can make the same argument with Sting because they didn't know which side he was on they, they kind of did obviously he would never just attack the good guys anyways but like the idea was always like he is I guess yeah the Rick example is classic it's like I have to do horrible things to beat the other horrible people yeah because hitting someone with a baseball bat isn't very sportsmanlike 
Let's be honest. It's not really like, oh, and then you hit him with a bass. Oh, what a great guy. That guy's awesome. That's what, like, in, in a way, like, the whole anti-hero thing is, like, super cool. Like, there's, not to spoil, like, The Walking Dead, but this happens in, like, season four or something. But there's a part where Rick bites a guy's throat open. And, like, that's pretty damn nasty. But it, yeah. it shows the lengths that he will go to to attempt to do the right thing. And it, it shows the blurring of the line in the breakdown of civilization. And it's a really similar thing that happens with the NWO. Because it's, like, yeah. it, it's like a whole new thing for the business. And it's like um, an analogy they use later on is that it's a poison injected into the business and stuff. Um, and yeah. that's what Sting was fighting. Uh, and that's why he went to these sort of dark places. And it like it is, it's a super interesting character angle. And I'm pretty sure like if anyone who doesn't watch wrestling is still here <laughs> listening... Like the, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that they will be curious enough to at least Google what he looked like at the time, yeah. you know? And as weird as it sounds, they drew that out from about July of 96 all the way to, to sept, uh, December of 97. So that's about 17, 18 months of like... So I, I couldn't think of any other stories that get drawn out for that long. Yeah. And to be fair, I'm sure there were some duds because there's always duds along the way, but obviously you only remember the good things, thankfully. One of but, the main rules about wrestling is that when it's bad, it's very bad. But when it's good, it's great. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's it's everything that you wanted and more. And then, yeah, when it's shit, it's like... It, it depends in any ways. It's very subjective as it is anyways. But like, yeah. you you see this character evolve from A to B and... That's just one story that we picked out throughout, like, the entire history of it. Like, there's many, many other sagas you can kind of go, like, look at this guy, look at this character arc. He was here when he started, and then he ended up here, and now it, it changes. Because, obviously, as your character changes, it changes the dynamic of what you stand for. And, therefore, when you fight, even if you fight the same person again, what you've been through your previous wars. Because, like, wrestling never has any time off, so it's like... It's always evolving and always changing, like sometimes for the worse, sometimes for the better. But that keeps the idea of, say, for example, if Sting was fighting the NWO in 96, it wouldn't, or in 95, I should say, when he was still the bleach blonde character, even though the match is the exact same in 97 or in 96, uh, yeah, 96 from 95, it completely changes the dynamic because now he's a different character. Yeah. His character has evolved. So the core is the same. He's still Sting, blah, blah. But then the idea is like, okay, now he's angry. Okay, now you fucked him off. Or now he's he's, he's had this thing, he's been attacked or his friends have been attacked. So now what's his response going to be? So there's that back and forth as well. Yeah. Um, and just to go back to the snobbery around people who can't understand why you like a thing because it's fake. Um, I, I just, I want to kind of dig into that idea a little bit more because it, it's so strange to me that that's a thing that people pick up on when like you said they would never say that with a thing like breaking bad but i've had people come i've had people come to me and say like yeah well it's different if you're watching a movie like mission impossible where like yeah it's fake but tom cruise legitimately did that stunt in dubai that running down the um building thing without a safety harness like oh he, jumping he, on the ledge he's insane he does all his own stunts and i'm like what do you think Jeff Hardy is is jumping onto when he jumps yeah, off a twenty foot ladder? Like, um, 
that's one of the one of the main appealing things about WWE is is what these people are willing to go through just to tell their scripted story. Um, and a lot of people are, I think, are under the impression that every single aspect of it is fake, including the injuries that they take and the bumps that they take and stuff. Um, but that's actually like really far from the truth. Um, I, I think if you were to watch it on a face value, the the fakest thing about it and the most obviously crafted worldview thing about it is the punches. Like they're terrible, pretty much. Um, brawl scenes, all like stuff you, like that. Yeah, like, you can't punch a dude in the face eight times and he just fights back two yeah. seconds later. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like, that's, yeah, that's the side of it that's kind of like, ooh. But again, it, you, you, you're willing to overlook that because it's, it, you know, quote-unquote entertainment. So yeah. you, you're better off actually um, having them fake punch again than them just deck the fuck out of each other. And it's like, oh, now you're both injured and now that's it. Yeah, and th- th- like they used to take serious chair shots to the head, which uh, I think we can get into a little bit later, uh, like concussion in wrestling and, and steroid abuse and like the sort of seedier elements of it and stuff like that. Um, yeah, yeah. But I- I've uh, like one of the one of the weirdest things for me is that I've had people um, when I've been saying like, "Oh, I'm playing this wrestling game," right? Which th- there is no reason why anybody can't play a wrestling game because it's an arcade game it's an arcade game like if you play street fighter you're not required to have any prior knowledge or like ability in actual street fighting but for some reason if you buy a wrestling game it's like oh it's fake it's like it's a game (laughs) yeah what were you expecting yeah (laughs) it's basically a more organized version of street fighter where you get to hit people with chairs and you get to have six of you guys running around inside of a cage, <laughs> like it's yeah. it's um I don't, like and you I, can build your own story. So in terms of the fandom as well, it's just like it's you're creatively just doing whatever you want. It's yeah, it's like wrestling games have always been. I mean, the graphics and the game that's like a gaming problem, not necessarily a concept problem, but yeah. like it's always fun. Yeah, absolutely. And and they're quick and so on, and you can just find a mad character and just have him fight somebody else and um. That's that's another point as well about wrestling. That's that's um, I think sticks with people who do like it. I suppose hopefully people who do like it will, you know, be on the same side or at least faintly agree that like whenever you watch wrestling, you take it with you. You start thinking about it and you're like, oh, what if this character did this? Or there's 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 that nerdiness to it of like, um, I suppose you even do this with the TV shows and things like you start coming up with theories, you know. What's the reveal here going to be? What's the storyline here? So you kind of, it's not just, you're not passively watching it. Yeah, um, you're definitely, you don't watch it for the actual wrestling. And here's the thing that I'll say about, the, there's like a huge divide between wrestling fans. Should we do like the terms and all of that? Like what a mark um, is? And... Yeah, yeah, let's go through the terms. Yeah, definitely. All right. So a mark is a guy who marks out at, the how how would you describe a mark in like plain english um it's someone who watches the show cheers for the good guys boos the bad guys and generally kind of they buy the exact thing they're being sold yeah they're buying what's being presented and that's how everybody starts by the way no one starts getting all like i like that guy i mean some people do have their favorites early on you always have that thing and you're like why did I like that guy? Even younger, like he's meant to be a bad guy, but I thought he was cool. It's yeah. usually the way. But 
Um, yeah, so I'd, I'd say a mark is someone who takes the product at its face value. You know, and if, if the comment, yeah, if the commentators are saying, you know, that really hurts, you know, that really hurts. If the commentators are saying that guy's a horrible person, regardless of, you know, if you Google him or Wikipedia him and he's done lots for charity, you're like, oh yeah, he's a little bit of a dick. Yeah, it's like that. Yeah. Um. Then there's smart fans who they they know better than the marks uh they know what they're being sold and what they like is the ability and what they like is turning up to the venues and booing anyone who they think doesn't deserve to be the guy who's on top um and what they like is suggesting that it should be your technique and your um, ability that you have to sell a story in the ring that should be the thing that gets you over gets you over like getting over is a wrestling term for winning matches basically um, yeah. and the, the the smart fans just think that anyone who can do better wrestling moves should be the guys that are that get over and that get the titles yeah. and that get written into all the best storylines and stuff like that and that's pretty much the ideological split between modern wrestling fans of big companies such as WWE. Yeah. Cuz cuz that cuz that came in obviously like there's always people there's always there's always hipster crowds that will tell you to watch the alternative cuz it's better just because it's the alternative. Yeah. Um and this is where I suppose the split happens because every time you say something like that you always get someone who goes, "Oh, actually, I am a person who's like into the business, but I still don't mind promos and I still don't mind like um the overall presentation i don't mind the gimmicks i just want to see great wrestling all the time yeah and that's fine because i think that's probably where i'd stand as well like someone who considers himself a smart mark but not someone who is kind of at that disillusionment stage you know like people who say oh there's no good films anymore or, there's no good tv shows anymore." i mean they wouldn't say that because that would be nuts the thing to say yeah. in 2017 <laughs> but there are people who say that and they are also in the age range of people who watch wrestling. So. Yeah. So you, you, you're always going to get like people's breakdowns of what the wording means to them. Again, this is what wrestling is. You take it away. And like some people choose to only say, you know, if they can't do a moonsault, which you flip off the rope and land, you know, flip, look it up. It's, it's pretty, a moonsault is a pretty universal term. A moonsault you know? is a backwards somersault. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. Um, is more relevant. I'm not like having that skill, but having the ability to do that is perhaps more relevant than say, being able to be like Hulk Hogan where you just talk for three minutes, the crowd goes nuts, and you haven't hurt yourself and you haven't hurt anybody else. Yeah. And that's fine. That's that's a perfectly fine opinion to have, but like that to me takes it away because you become too far too analytical of it and you kind of start to if you're a reviewer, like if you're like Dave Meltzer, who's a guy who basically he used to run a newsletter who then basically exposed the businesses actually everyone has suspicions obviously but he helped the idea of like actually there's a lot more going on than what you don't see on camera yeah you know yeah. there's power plays because again and this is and this is back to to the to the reverse thing i suppose of a tv show or a film is that like because it's predetermined there's there's the illusion that like if you're good enough you'll make it to the top and sometimes it works that way and sometimes it doesn't because it's down to what ultimately the owner, let's say Vince McMahon for the WWE, is ultimately down what he thinks is the more, most marketable person. Yeah, because it's a business and they like making money. Um, yeah. And that's, that's what keeps them going, I guess. And 
like it or not, like that is the way that it has always been, uh, regardless of, of what you think. I, I can actually make a lot of arguments about that too that people are very blind to. What happens with wrestling is when you start watching it, you're a mark. Uh, you like what you're being told, you, you get involved in all the storylines really intensely, you feel like you're part of it, you feel like when your guy loses, you feel like you've missed out in some way. Um, yeah. And then when you become more exposed to the actual wrestling world and you want to see more German suplexes and more 450 splashes and certain moves and things like that, um, then you get your own ideas about how the show should be run. And then you start communicating with other people who have their ideas and then you find out that you've got the same ideas and then you just believe that that is how the show should be run uh, but the thing is that's not really how it works and it can be really hard to break away from that because uh, oftentimes people think that Vince McMahon is this out of touch senile old man um, I don't really believe that to be true because look at what he's achieved um, like he is pretty much the biggest figure in wrestling. Like he's the guy who sort of revolutionized it, modernized it, made it a cultural phenomenon like it is now. And that, I was going to say, actually, that's a good talking point to kind of go off on. And then we'll go back to the terminology real quick just to drift away. It's like, so in the early 80s, Vince McMahon purchased a company from his dad. Um, and he had a vision of instead of being dingy halls and fucking high school gyms and all the cliches sort of like you know rash and he mm. kind of looked at mtv and he was like well, what we do is entertainment they do music why can we not do the mixture of both you know people like music people like like people who typically like wrestling tend to have like a more rock oriented background maybe not anymore but usually in the 80s you know it's yeah. mullets it's there's that rock and roll sort of like you know it's crazy and here's our vibe anything can happen so he combined the both and he's like Rock and wrestling. So you had like Cindy Lauper, like actually relevant people at the time as well, like Mr. T, uh, Muhammad Ali. Like he brought all these people over to bring the attention. Alice Cooper as well. Like he was. Alice Cooper, Ozzy Osbourne's been at WrestleMania. It's like so you get all this attention from the mainstream, like and you almost forget that it's about the wrestling. But I do mean that probably in the nicest way possible because I mean it in the sense of like. It brought attention to a sport that needed it because people can always do their thing in a ring, but to have someone endorse it, that's the bit where it kind of, you know, people sit up and look at it. Yeah. So that's what he did. He took it from a regional, you know, rundown, and not everywhere because there's always territories like Japan, and there's, you know, you look, there's territories that are always doing well, but he took it from a thing that was looked down on, and I suppose in a way it made it less looked down on, probably still quite looked on for quite a few people at the time, but he yeah. made it like, it's the hip thing. It's part of your. It should be part of your watching. It should be. Look at these characters. Look how colorful they are. Look at Ma Macho Man Randy Savage. Everybody that almost I know knows of Macho Man Randy Savage. I reckon the audience for this show will not be that well acquainted with Randy Savage, but they'll certainly know John Cena. They'll certainly know Hulk yeah. Hogan, The Rock. Um, but Trust yeah. me, if if you look up Randy Savage, you will not forget who that man is. Especially if you've seen Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, and if you've seen Spider-Man, you know that bone saw is yeah, ready. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that was him. Um, but honestly, like, yeah, little side quest. Like, if you if you if you ever, um, you know, happen to have a, a crazy night out and you're still a bit buzzed or still a bit blazed, or pilled up, or whatever the fuck people do these days, like, watch a Macho Man Randy Savage Pro Bowl. Promise you, it was, it is entertainment gold. Yeah. You know? Especially in the 80s. But, 
you had a lot of people who were large in life characters um, with other large in life characters, so celebrities, telling you to watch this thing. So you attract a lot of eyeballs and essentially that's that's kind of the the time and, and people I suppose don't even make this distinction now because if you never watched wrestling I suppose in your head it's that thing that is a bit weird but like that's when wrestling in a lot of people's eyes broke away from the especially in a money sense as well broke away from the sort of oh that's just something that rednecks do yeah. when they're feeling weird <laughs> and they'll fight <laughs> um, to like it's it's part of the mainstream it's just like your, your favorite tv show or your favorite soap or your favorite sport all mixed into one yeah it really from the 90s it really kicked on into the forefront of of american mainstream pop culture um like particularly 1999 to 2001 it was pretty much on the hottest streak ever um and it was attracting celebrities who at the time were just a huge deal worldwide as well um the i should, should i is this a good time to talk about limp biscuit um um we'll go through <laughs> it's always a good time to talk about limp biscuit but we should just wrap up the terminology thing otherwise we'll get yeah so far, far away from that the main thing that's that, a smart <laughs> yeah <laughs> the main thing um when, when it comes to the terminology is kayfabe there's a term called kayfabe and it refers to whatever is happening within the scripted storyline so um in kayfabe uh john cena is superman in kayfabe the undertaker is a dead satanic wizard um in kayfabe a nice person yeah hogan is not a racist yeah that's yeah so again it's 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 you know by the way, when we're making comparisons to Game of Thrones and Breaking Bad, we're not saying that it's equal to it. We're just saying it from like a perspective of character standpoint. We're saying you know? that people who like those shows are idiots. <laughs> yeah, they, they're marks for yeah, those shows. They're marks. You know, they're behind the scenes of the contractual agreements yeah, of what's going right. on for Walty White and the crew. Um, but yeah, what was I? Oh yeah, that was it. Um, but so, hang on, what were we talking about just now? Uh, Breaking Bad and uh... Breaking Bad. That's it. Um, yeah. So, hang on. Did you say another term? I just completely lost the plot just then. K- sorry, K- my K- Kayfabe's the one I was talking. Kayfabe. About. Sorry, sorry. You can cut that bit out. Um, yeah. So, K- fifty-three minutes. Kayfabe. Definitely too much effort. That's not happening. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Um, yeah. And then so. Kayfabe, yeah, it's 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 the presentation of the show basically, yeah, from the announcers yeah. to the refs to the camera guys where they are, to the interviewers to anybody that you see on camera on 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 camera talent. They're part of kayfabe. They're they're part of the ball basically, the sphere that is wrestling. And we sit outside of it, looking in obviously. Yeah. But um, so you got kayfabe as well, um, and then you've got the so. I suppose the, the the general wordage of it, I suppose it isn't really for people on the outside to use as well. Like it, it wasn't invented so we could talk to each other in that way. It was basically over the years I kind of sneaked out what all these things meant. Yeah, it's um, it's a really there's a lot like. The presentation of words in, in wrestling that like smart fans use are, are really strange, um, but kayfabe apparently came from like a pig Latin pronunciation of the word fake. 
Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, which would be Akefei, but I guess somebody, like along the way, Chinese whispers and stuff like that, it, it changed into Kayfabe. Um, and then within Kayfabe, you have uh, a heel, which is a bad guy, basically, and then a face, which is short for baby face, which means a good guy. And that's pretty much uh, the most black and white like presentation of what wrestling is. And then th there are other terms like a jobber is a guy who whose primary function within the industry is to put other guys over, which means a jobber goes out and loses a match just so that the other guy gets to win. And like it or and not, a lot of look people, good. yeah, making them look good, yeah, and that's a serious job, like that a lot of people like do really well, and it's definitely not to be scoffed at. But a lot of people uh, within the wrestling fandom are very snobby about jobbers and think that they're just so undeserving. But I mean, if they don't do it, someone else is gonna do it. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, definitely, it's yeah. it's that lower end job of like you yeah. know. And people go from being a jobber to being a, a, a superstar. Like, look at Jinder Mahal now. Or, like, like Jeff Hardy used to be a jobber. Like, the, those guys that you saw on the, the lesser shows, also known as the B shows, um, or in dark matches, which are matches that don't take place within kayfabe. Like, they're sort of um, outside of uh, storylines, but they're, like, main event level matches, or else they're just sort of new people that they bring in just to see what they're like um but basically a dark match is just i mean it's still a scripted match but it just doesn't have any um consequences within kayfabe so it doesn't alter the storyline that's going on at the time um but what i'm trying to say is a lot of people in those matches who started out as jobbers went on to be you know superstars on a global yeah. scale so yeah, it's, it's where you can engage the crowd, have good charisma, both with your body and I suppose if you ever get given a mic with your words, making the most of your TV time. So, <coughs> sorry. So in wrestling, you get this weird situation that you can see like talent in front of you. And I suppose this is where the smart mark um, sort of argument comes in because you can – it's live TV most of the time. And even if it isn't, even if it's pre-taped, a pre-taped event, they usually show things out as they play them. Maybe change the audience reaction here and there, but generally speaking, like you get to see somebody. So if you see a guy and he comes on, you know, comes in the ring and he has horrific mic skills, he can't talk, he can't um, put any emotion into words. Um, honestly, if anyone's listening, um, at some point look up a gentleman called uh, Jumpin' Jeff Farmer. Don't know if you've seen it actually. No, I haven't. It's probably the worst promo in the history of wrestling. Because okay. he's like, oh, a while back, what a match you had. And the guy's like, yep, probably the hardest match I had in my life. And it's just like, no charisma, like, whatsoever. It's like, it it looks laughably bad because it's someone who can't act or can't even attempt to act. He's just, just like, yeah, it's the hardest thing I ever had to do. But not even in a I'm knackered way. It's just like, dude, you sound fucking horrible. Um, I, I just want to real quick quote uh, directly from the VHS tape of Judgment Day 2000 <laughs> at the at the very end of of um, old VHS tapes of wrestling events, they used to have this guy called Jonathan Coachman, who some people may <laughs> recognize from ESPN, and uh, he would introduce promos with wrestlers where they talk about the match they had that night, and there was one by a gentleman named Redacted, and he said. After his <clears throat> after his victory over Chris Jericho, he said, "Chris Jericho could not 
once I locked that cross face on, there was absolutely no hope. (laughs) (laughs) That is is word for word how that promo went, and it was abysmal. Yeah. And that, see, that right there is an example. That guy, um, can we say his name? Is that allowed? That's his name. Um, Yeah, just look up Chris Redacted. Yeah, Um, yeah. Not Chris... Predactyl, because that sounds like a type of dinosaur now in my head. But um, yeah, no, he he was lucky because he actually had a lot of uh, body chemistry, so his style was good. And but like the guys, the guy couldn't cut a promo and save his life. And he, he was straight. He up, knew. Like he was. He, he knew. He was my favorite wrestler from like 2003 onwards. Uh, when I became a smart fan, like he was the goat, basically. So you flipped from, like, character-based to... Um... Yeah, um, I, I was, like, Sting and Goldberg, they were my guys. Sting was the first one. And then when I went over to... Um, I used to stay up to watch Monday Nitro on... Uh, uh, Cartoon Network used to turn into TNT uh, back in the day. Uh, and it would show Monday Nitro. It, I think it showed reruns on a Friday night, so I got to watch it. And then the next morning, they would show WWF... Uh, on Sky One, and I didn't really know or care about WWF, but I started watching it because I wanted more wrestling in my life. Uh, and then my favorite there was Triple H, even though he was a bad guy at the time. I just didn't really like The Rock. I wasn't all that into like the whole idea of him being like, "Oh, I'm a guy that talks about my dick and I talk really fast and I get people." And pie. Yeah, yeah, all of that. Like I, I was more because I came from WCW and I was into the cool. Like sort the of the ass kickers, yeah, just the cool. But who guys are still bad who... guys, but they don't cower. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, I, I liked Triple H because even though he was a little bit of a coward, he was also capable of being a badass at the time. Um, but yeah, I, I I sort of I got into like Undertaker and stuff as well in WWF because I just I I, I just don't really care for comedy over seriousness. Um, but then, yeah, when I properly started realizing what wrestling was, I was a uh, a redacted mark from there. Yeah, on. yeah. Um, um, so yeah, so th- like that that guy's a perfect example of someone who, luckily, did, there is wrestling in that in this business because like if it was only based on mic skills, that guy would wouldn't fucking get anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Because I see, I heard him cut another promo, and the guy's like, he's like, um. Uh, he's like, yeah. If if it wasn't for this person, I would have won the belt, and I would have been I would have been called the WWF Championship. And I'm like, that's the name, <laughs> the title. That you wouldn't become the title, you'd become the champion. Yeah. Um, another another thing I, I should mention as well about about wrestling that um, music and this is like, I suppose we can fit in Limp Music is a huge element of it. Because yeah. I think, honestly, that music is almost like a Pavlovian response from the crowd. Yeah, definitely. So you can look this up, and it's it's proven time. If you hear the glass shatter, and Steve Austin is making his way to the ring, the glass shattering is what triggers the reaction. Because it's like, bam, here it is. You, you, your brain knows what's going to happen. He's going to come out and kick some ass. If you hear the Undertaker, because the Undertaker was a dead... He was weird. He was like a dude who came in and took people's souls and somehow did it through the medium of wrestling. Again... <laughs> has to be seen to be believed yeah. he, he has like his theme song is like pretty much you know the death march and he had like the fucking not the star wars one <laughs> he had the fucking, he'd have the bells the bell would toll and you hear dong and the people go nuts and 
it's a feeling. It's energy, you know? It's, like yeah. The Rock talks about it. It's electricity. You can – even watching it at home, you're like, I want to be there. I want to be part of that. What is that? You know? When you hear and, Fandango's music. <laughs> yeah. Um, you sing so, And this is, again, back to music. And it's, again, a, re- a rehash from the 80s. So every now and then – they get actual real life performers either be part of the theme song or to do the theme song. Um, yeah, like just a little bit of weird trivia, like Stone Cold Steve Austin once came out to Disturbed. Triple mm. H motor comes out to a theme song by Motorhead. Um, CM Punk. The under song by yeah, uh, Living Color, and they once performed yeah. that for him. Yeah, Living Color, like that's such a random weird choice, but it worked perfectly well. Yeah. And even before that, he had Kill Switch Engage, which never really got it but that's still a band that's you know that's a badass song too i really like that song they they gave it to someone else originally i think that's why i never fit yeah randy Randy orton's yeah and it always looked odd um and and then you had people like the undertaker and i was talking about him being a dead man and someone who takes the souls and some blah 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 he went through a phase of being a biker and he used to come out to limp biscuit yes he did (laughs) and that's why he was my boy yeah and that is such a link between like people of that age and demographic, like just hitting the perfect demographic because it's basically like Limp Bizkit was usually for all, all of us angsty teens out there, you know, we all went through Limp Bizkit and um, I think like I think I find a lot of people hard to find people who haven't heard of Limp Bizkit. Not saying they like it, yeah. I'm saying they haven't heard of Limp Bizkit. People definitely know them as the butt of every joke and and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and like Nickelback. But in a different genre. And uh, way better. Like, I'd like to see Nickelback write a song like My Way. Yeah. Or, or um, oh, what's the other song that I really like by them? Boiler. Crack Addict. Oh, Crack Addict <laughs> is an absolute banger of a tune, though. Boiler. <laughs> Boiler is great. I, uh, Boiler's I, awesome, man. I, I can't, like, I can't deny, like, there's no point in me acting like I'm better than I am. I fucking <laughs> love Limp Bizkit, and I will just be honest about it forever, because there's no point in denying the things that you like. It's it's just being bad to yourself, so um, just just real quick while, while you're on the uh, the demographic of the time, because Undertaker being a biker and coming out to Limp Bizkit, that would have been a huge draw at the time um, for people of that actual age, which in the year 2000 was 28. That was the median age of a wrestling fan, 28 years old. And it has gotten older, right? So in 2006, it was 33. And in 2016, that age jumped to 54. So the 54? Median, yeah, the median age of a wrestling fan right now is 54 years old. 35% of wrestling fans are over the age of 50. But do you think that's because it's parents taking their children or watching it with their children? That's a really, really good point. Um, I'd say that does definitely factor in, um, especially when you look at sort of the crowd that appear at wrestling now. There's a lot more families there than there used to be. It used to be sort of frat boys and college jocks holding up. Yeah, because that was the vibe. That's a very, that's very true. Like the vibe of the '80s was like, hey, come along to this entertainment show. So you probably had people that like didn't necessarily like wrestling as such. They just liked the characters going. And then as you progress through the '90s, has that frat boy like. You know, spring break vibe, I suppose. I have to be honest. Um, watching <clears throat> on the WWE Network, watching events from the late 90s, early 2000s, 
and you look at the crowd and you're like these people are beneath me <laughs> yeah these oh, people yeah. Are, like, oh my shirtless god shirtless dudes spelling out the names of people yeah. but having said that that's the kind of shit you get at football games i know that's the kind I of know. shit in the premier league all over that's the kind of shit you get at like american football games like that's that that crowd is probably the most easily exploitable crowd yeah there's because they'll also... buy a lot of merch they're very fanatical and they don't really care for the intricate side of it they don't care about the ins and outs of it they just want to be entertained there and then yeah i i think that's like there's a culture barrier between america and the rest of the world because americans get very fanatical about things um for better or for worse and it, it doesn't necessarily like i say they're beneath me that was tongue-in-cheek I'm sure a lot of them are very nice people. Yeah. It's just that Did they... you see any sort of Harvard graduates there, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. Oxford, <laughs> well, paleontologists? Christopher Nowinski, he, he was probably one of those guys. Um, one. See, that's what I mean. If you can think of one specifically, it's because there's only one. Well, there's David Otunga. He was a, he was a lawyer. Oh, yeah, and a movie star, no less. That's right, yeah. He starred in a movie with Halle Berry. yeah. Blink and you'll literally miss his appearance. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But yeah. Um, so so I think I think yeah I think music is is a huge part of of the professional wrestling show because I suppose whereas you can have entrance music for boxing MMA and and sort of more one on one style of combat like you can't have entrance uh, entrance music for individual football players that tell you their personality. Yeah, it, I, I think as well the fact that music is so crucial to wrestling kind of explains its downward turn in the last like 15 years because music in the <clears throat> in the early 2000s late 90s sort of era um rock music and metal music crossed over into pop music like nothing you have ever like like it's never gonna happen again like you're never gonna have a band like Limp Bizkit uh, appearing on TRL and at the top of charts and like like that is gone out of society completely and now um pop music has always been manufactured like that's always been a thing but it, it's even more prevalent now um and metal music and rock music and guitar music in general which is kind of synonymous with wrestling um like in the themes that are used uh it's it's gone by the wayside so the downward like i reckon if you charted a graph from um, 2001 onwards and showed wrestling fans of wrestling and fans of metal music you would just see a complete downward like and it would be yeah parallel just downward curves so yeah as as yeah as other things yeah as it explodes into the scene that that's clever marketing though is you're attaching yourself to a thing that's quite hip and quite relevant yeah it's, you it's know? like i mean it, it's what brought it to the forefront like it's one of the many things that made it the cultural phenomenon that it was and it was huge like should we go through some of the pop culture things that have occurred in wrestling like like the current president of the united states of america has appeared at a wrestlemania and several other wrestling shows like he's kind of he's actually, hosted a couple yeah a couple with the trump plaza like in in the 80s and he's been a longtime friend of vince mcmahon and he was one of the reasons like this this might shock people he was a draw Oh, in yeah. like 2007 yeah the most I, I, popular wrestlemania of all time yeah I, I think it's like it might be second now after i don't know if they've inflated the prices because obviously you've got a you've got a um oh, yeah, a network true. now so it's kind of different to gauge it but it's probably like yeah 
that point, it, put it this way, at, at that year was the most purchased wrestling event of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was, and, and the only the only legitimacy that like he brought into it is whether you wanted to see him get his head shaved or not. Yeah, and which, let's face it, we all want to see that happen. <laughs> yeah, then and now. Yeah. Um, but he was portrayed as a good guy, believe it or not. That was the odd thing. Um, and right. hilariously, he didn't know the name of the guy who he was managing, so he just kept calling him Bobby. <laughs> I will Which say this funny. about him being the good guy. Everything that wrestling has taught us demonstrates Donald Trump as a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the the stereotypical hero in wrestling, while he is a clean-shaven babyface you know patriotic man he also will grab a girl by the pussy <laughs> let's yeah, say yeah. that is what they're about but obviously like again because it's the scripture of wrestling like this isn't a man being exposed being like oh look at him he's got all these views and whether you agree or not it's a different story but obviously if you bring that to the forefront it's a divisive issue yeah you know because there's people who for him against him that's whatever um so he is presented as like, yo, this guy's a businessman and he's coming in to tell the other businessman who's been been kind of a bully, he's going to tell him that what he's doing is wrong. And the other guy's, yeah, state of your hair, let's have a hair versus hair for us sort of like surrogate wrestlers. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was all the story was. And they, they promote it as the battle of the billionaires and and didn't take a, I suppose it didn't take a genius to put that concept together of going, he's really rich, but he's kind of, he's, portrayed as a good guy he's really rich he's the evil owner you know there's a guy who can match him not only in in um picking his surrogate his wrestlers to fight he's also like financially able to match him so he's not going to be intimidated in, in, in any way by this other guy you know you could have put any other suppose well but i suppose he he did have more but probably most ceos are quite boring people i imagine i i think i i kind of have a theory about it um, about people like Vince McMahon and Donald Trump, because Vince McMahon is like objectively he is not an ethical man. He has he is guilty of some serious things. And if if it were Vince McMahon running for president, like you think that what you know about Trump is is like really bad stuff. Like it, it only I mean like yes it is objectively bad, but also the media mm. goes to town on Donald Trump over the bad stuff that he's done and they make every like bad thing that he did seem way worse than it is because it's him if vince mcmahon were were in donald trump's shoes it would be the exact same deal like vince mcmahon has has done some terribly unethical things um but there's something about him that makes me respect him and want to see more of him and i think the true the same is true of donald trump and as much as like i can't really stomach donald trump and yet i am in some way addicted to him like I like every time he talks, I have to watch him talk so that I can come up with new reasons of why I don't like him. And so yeah, it's the car crash phenomenon, isn't it? So you you want to see a car I, crash? I don't even necessarily know that it's that though. I think that he actually does have like just major like appeal. Like there's just something about him that I like. I I don't think that I watch it because I think he's so awful. I think I watch him just because I actually really want to watch him. And while I'm watching it, I'm like, ah, oh, this is terrible. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, to keep it on There you topic, go. No, no, you just made a perfect comparison. That's a wrestling bad guy. That's exactly what I mean, yeah. Because it's... if they're too bad, you just switch it off and you're like, I'm not watching that shit. 
Yeah. But the, obviously, let's let's not forget the fact that one's in real life. But whatever. The point is, is that if Ric Flair is 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 Ric Flair, who's one of the most legendary wrestlers of all time, um, he's still his style he's still is very alive. old school, <laughs> still alive. Um, thankfully, um, and he was just like he was one of the, in terms of characters, anyways, um, personal personal shit. That's that's for a different show. Yeah. Um. But like he as as a performer, he was so infuriating to people in the 80s. But he was always saying about the match. He's talking about the match. He's not going like, oh my god, I hate this guy. I'm gonna kill you. It's like no, he, you want to hate him so bad that you want to see someone else kick his ass. Yeah. You don't want to see him get murdered. You don't want to see him like, oh, whenever he's on TV, why would you watch it? He's a bad guy. Turn that off. He's insulting you. But he'd be so eloquent and so intelligent with his words that like – and he'd have this group of guys who would always protect him, which were called the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, I imagine. But they probably couldn't get the copyrights to that from the fucking – The Bible. <laughs> the old, 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 old Jesus. Um, and yeah, so you had like these, this guy who was just like, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. Oh wait, he's on again. I might watch that actually. Yeah, here here's a here's a great modern example of that in the promo game outside the ring, Vicky Guerrero. Yes. So people absolutely fucking love to hate her, and like they don't even understand that that's what's that. They're like, like the the smart fans will be like, this is even terrible. Then. Get her off the screen. I hate her. She's talentless, and it's like. Look how riled up you're getting, buddy. <laughs> like this is yeah. why she's there. Like she gets you to watch. If someone comes out and she and she's be a manager, and um, you'll have someone else come. You then wait for this guy to kick hit his guy's ass, so she stops bragging or stops like putting him yeah. and saying he's the greatest of all time. And and that's the magic of it. It's yeah. um, it's being clever enough to insult you. Or insult your, you know, whatever, whatever concept you want to attach that to, but being so good at it, at good at being bad, I suppose, that you want to watch it because I think that, like, you know, famous even in films, you know, the bad guys are have to be very charismatic to carry across what their argument is, without basically sounding like the most boring people in the world, the most like boringly evil people in the world. You know, you have to kind of spin that. And, and I don't know, like I think Vicky Guerrero is a fantastic example. Um, back in the day, you'd, most people used to have managers. There's a guy called Bobby Heenan. He actually passed away recently. Yeah. And he was very good also at just riling the crowd up to the exact point of fever. Good guy comes out, beats him up, or sometimes he doesn't because obviously you have to prolong these arcs and these feuds. And you get, you know, next thing you know, it's been half an hour and you're like, holy shit, that was amazing. Like, what? I want more of that. So I think that the – the uh, and that's like it's, – it's such a mix of so many things, like you said, from the music to the characters and then comes the in-ring after that. But it's such a – it's like it's, a, it's such fragmented little components that you can kind of latch onto them and, you know, kind of open that up and go, oh, what's in here? And then you get like good promos and good matches. And then you close that one and you open another one and you're like insane moments that you wouldn't see anywhere else. Like a time where a guy, Stone Cold Steve Austin, came to the ring in a Zamboni or a truck or sprayed beer over somebody else. Like that just doesn't happen in any sport. Yeah, and this was at a time in, in the 90s where 
I think like that movie Office Space had come out and there was a real sort of um, like the the comic Dilbert was around and, and mm-hmm. people had this real anti-boss <laughs> like sentiment brewing amongst every working class person in American culture and then you have Stone Cold Steve Austin railing against his boss on Monday Night Raw all the time and uh, like I don't know I don't know if Vince McMahon did all of this stuff intentionally or generally what happens with really clever things that tap into um, the cultural ideology at the time is that it just sort of happens as it happens yeah. and because I, I'd people say, like it I, they do more of it But I'd say it's half throwing shit at the wall seeing what yeah. sticks and half of it just catching on yeah yeah because also they have to try in the first place to see if the fans react to it but there you go. There's a story that in its, in its, in its sort of genesis is quite organic because the guy doesn't like his boss or the boss doesn't like him, I should say, but he doesn't like his boss either. The boss tries to make his life a living hell and he tries to fight as hard as he can to be the best in the world despite all of these things against him. So if the boss is against you, obviously the table's tilted, you know. The game is rigged, if you will. Yeah. And that, you know, like, like it doesn't take... It's there's no levels to that story, but at the same time you want to see that progress. Like, what's he gonna do? Okay, so the so the guy just got one over on his boss. What's the boss gonna react like? Is he gonna like learn his from mistakes and be a good person? Is he gonna continue being bad? So you get all these dynamics within it. Not to mention as well another thing that I wanted to kind of point out about wrestling um, is that. There is it. It's segmented, so you get either two-hour shows or three-hour shows weekly, and then you get a pay-per-view, which is usually the combination of that month's um, feuds. Yeah. But throughout a wrestling show, it's like a variety show. There's all sorts of characters from all sorts of backgrounds and all sorts of you know um, allegiances, thoughts, ideas, and you get this just this mashing of like it's colors, it's um, it's, some people are funny, some people are bad, some people are good, some people are bad, some people are in the middle. Like you get just, and it's not like all thrown at you. Like here's everybody. It's it's you know here's segment one, segment two. Not this guy. It's now for this guy. He's gonna beat this guy to fight the champion. So there's with wrestling, it's always like there's always building blocks. And occasionally they'll finish a building, which will be a feud coming to its completion. Tear that down and then feud with other people. So it's always like it's always changing. And I think that's what I personally like about it. I like the fact that um, you can pick up on a story. And also you can join in at any time. You can jump in at most times as well, which I like that about it. Yeah, one of but, the best things about wrestling is the video packages they do to sell the promo to you. So if you've missed out and you tune in the next week, you will see some kind of recap. Or, like You will be able to jump right in there and figure it out for yourself. Like They're really good at doing that, actually. Yeah, very, very good. Their editing department's phenomenal in yeah. making sure you know the key bits of a story, and you've got the announcers also pushing that forward. So, and there's also that about it. It's like a team effort. Everybody contributes a little bit. So it's not just about the guys in the ring from their perspective, but it's all a combination to get the spotlight on the guys, but then you have the announcer saying a certain thing, the ref behaving a certain way, the managers, all these characters in it. Because to me, it's just it's just odd because I've actually just thought of it in, in sort of breaking it down like that, that it's all like these little bits that put it together, you know? Yeah, yeah. That that the end deal is is sort of like it's wrestling. But like as as the guy points out in in, um, 
and it was it the wrestling isn't wrestling like it's also not about so it's it's actually easier to point at the bits that you do like that come together than it is to explain why you do like it if that makes that sounds really weird but it, it's kind of hard to pin down like I could tell you that I like a wrestler, but if you show me every episode of that wrestler, I'm like, hey, maybe he's a bit shit. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like even <coughs> even my love for Stone Cold Steve Austin has its limits when I watch some of his original title runs and stuff like that. Like there's, I don't know. What what are some of your most well maybe like one or two like favorite wrestling moments? And if that's putting you on the spot, I can go first because no, no, I just thought of. Now, um, I would say, um, and this kind of goes into a story that shouldn't have been a story but became a story. It was um, the rise of CM Punk, um, who's who's now left the company, the main company WWE. Now, he's, I think he's still doing MMA, but he's kind of on and off doing MMA. Yeah. So here's a guy, and his story is pretty straightforward. This is a story that they sold to us. His contract comes up on June, say, 25th. This was actually brilliant, yeah. On June 24th, he has a, he, he, he's, through his matches, he's got himself a title match. And he's saying, I'm going to take this title, and I'm going to go wherever I want and go around the world because you haven't been treating me fair, and you never give me attention. Sounds like quite childish if I say it like that. <laughs> never give me attention. A lot but, of people you know, view it that way too. A lot of people are are very anti CM Punk, and they they consider him to be uh, whiny. I guess. Yeah, whiny, selfish, entitled, and. Mm. There is that to it. Like again, there's always two sides, especially in in a, in a thing that's kind of manufactured. That you can always be like, well, again, to me, what what clicked with me was like that story writes itself. The that, guy here who says I've been mistreated, he's a he's like a punk, you know. He's literally acting like a punk, basically. Yeah, he he cut a promo um, while sitting on the ramp uh, of the Titan Tron. If you don't know anything about wrestling, you're the like, arena. That's basically. all going to sound like a cobble yeah. here. But um, he it's like it was in space, the Titan Tron. Yeah, the Titan Tron, uh, which is next to the Stargate. Um, yeah, but yeah, he he cut this promo and he broke the fourth wall, um, and he pretty much uh, like the way he tells it. Have you have you ever watched the documentary where he talks about this and he says yeah. that he was literally told to go out there and and just get everything off your chest and he did. Um, he said lots of stuff. Uh, he called himself the best wrestler in the world at a time when. It was understood that you were not supposed to use the term wrestling anymore. Like they they were done with wrestling. They were just WWE. They'd gotten wrestling entertainers. Out of it. Yeah, superstars or whatever they call it. Yeah. So that's and again those moments like obviously can only happen once in a while where you obviously you're not actually breaking character because if you were you'd be taken off the air and and basically fired because it's a contractual obligation to be in character I suppose. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Or it kind of in a way, but. He says, I've had enough of this shit. Like, I'm by far the most cheered person, the most liked person. I work my ass off to get where I am. I've earned myself a title match. And when I win, I'm just going to prove you all wrong. You should have given me the ball. You should have made me a main event star. And when he's saying that, it's kind of dual because he's saying it to the backstage people who actually make the decisions. But he's also saying it on the show and saying, like, I'm good enough to be a world heavyweight champion. And I think that's why you get both like it's still 
the people who don't follow the the idea of that being an inside remark, they can also understand the plight. Yeah, that's why it which was so I think, good. Yeah, which I think is is super ideal. Obviously, like this, the, the match then takes place in his hometown, but the whole story, it was very very engaging in the way that wrestling at that point I hadn't seen before. That Whereas, is, like, the, that's actually what got me back into wrestling. Same. I think that's most people. Is yeah. that like? That him saying that broke wrestling back into the mainstream, even if it was briefly going, oh, look at this guy. He didn't follow the script. Lol. Yeah. But it was to, – to people who are marginally still you know, had interest, like suppose like you or other people, has like, interest in wrestling, you're brought back in because you're going like, hang on a minute. That guy told what I've actually been thinking. Yeah. Fucking ages. Yeah. He said it. And – He's right, you know, he is the best in the world and he does, you know, he he's worked his ass off and like he's even though he he looks like a punk, you know, he's got he's like a sort of rocker type, I suppose. I wouldn't even say punk cuz punk tends to be a bit more tattooed and more like the the cliche. Cause obviously, you can't really like, get more tattooed than him in fairness. <laughs> These days, but I think at the time, you might have still did he st- no, he didn't have the long hair. No, um, no. He had, he had the the slick back look at the thing at the time, which I think works for him. He looked badass with the slick back, but like He's a badass-looking dude. Yeah, um, looks very serious. So he's 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 basically saying what everybody's thinking. He's saying, you know, and you can relate this to to even other jobs or whatever, where you see someone who's might not as talented as you or not as good at it getting promotions or 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 getting more attention, whereas you can work your ass off it, but just because of the way you don't go along with the sort of the narrative of like this is how you behave in this job. That's why you know, the Midnight like, Hour isn't the most well-known podcast in the whole damn world. <laughs> as far as the podcast, they just sell out and, <laughs> and, yeah, and they suck their way to the top, but it's true. So a lot of people who feel that way would go, that guy is right. And, and you know, and he's he's actually, looking back on it, he's actually a perfect spokesman for the company because the dude's straight edge. Yeah. Drug-free. Like, he's got it tattooed on his fucking knuckles, which is a bit nuts, but drug-free. And, like, he even says, said in his, like, first match he's like my addiction is competition you know proving i'm the best you know and there you go so he says all this and you know i remember me and my friend at the time were like holy shit that was amazing how are they gonna follow that up and then you get obviously everybody else's point of view but just the story overall like it it then becomes obviously subjective again because i thought it was a whole thing up especially up until that match was awesome um, but they would have these promos in the ring where there would be no wrestling. It would be like 20-minute promos just to get hyped up for the match. Yeah. And he would be talking about how, like, you know, back when he came in, everybody looked down on him and everybody put him down. And he's always been the underdog. Well, he's, he's, he's taking a stand now. He's had enough of, like, that shit. And it's like, that's awesome. One, one of the best things about one of those promos was when he was talking to John Cena, the guy he was going up against. And he was like... They were they were about like exchanging you know a very cool war of words. Neither of them were like like hyped up or, or like ready to fight or anything. And then CM Punk says, "You know what, John? You claim to love the Boston Red Sox, but you're more like the New York Yankees." And then John Cena was like, "Oh fuck this shit, yo! We're going now." He punches him in yeah. the face like like how dare you? Um, but obviously within the context of if you isolate that, that's like. Right, uh, you, you're not Chelsea, you're Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. Oh my god! Listen here, you son of a bitch. You do not refer to me as that. But in the context of the promo, he's basically saying that like he's no longer the underdog, he's like a royalty. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. 
you're everything that you hate because you are actually you're part of the machine. You're corporate as fuck, and I'm real. Like I'm the realest thing about this show. So and obviously Cena's kind of arguing like, well, you're a hypocrite because you claim to be the voice of the voiceless. Yet all you do is talk about yourself. Mm. So you had because obviously. Interesting enough, the guy that I would bring me back into wrestling, he's the bad guy at this point. Yeah. CM Punk. And John Cena's the good guy because he's defending the company. But, of course, in in a corporate sort of point of view, you're like, now nah, fuck that guy. That guy's right. Like, why can it not just be about who the fuck engages the fans the most? Why is it always about, oh, it's a business, this and that? Like, every time, I suppose sometimes you break away from the idea of, like, Oh, it's a business. And other times it kind of makes sense. Oh, that guy sells a lot of masks. Of course, he's going to get the push um, to become more in a, a main event player. But for that storyline, because nothing like that had been done from that perspective, from the I agree with the fans, I see what they're seeing, and I don't like it, and I'm going to do something about it. But the sort of key bit in that sentence is I, 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 I. Yeah. So yeah. you're not doing it for the fans. You're doing it for yourself. So it's like it's, it's it's there's levels basically, and that's why I enjoyed it a lot. Um, do you have any particular like moments or stories that you really enjoy? I've got one that also played a part <laughs> in hooking me back in, and it's not like a lot of people won't agree with this or whatever, but I ju- I just want to mention it because sometimes WWE gets it wrong, believe it or not, um, <laughs> and often they can correct it before it goes over the edge, and this is just an example of that. Um, there was a guy called Alberto Del Rio, and I don't know what the hell happened. Like, did he start selling major merch in Mexico or something? Um, because uh, he was like a guy that the crowd loved to hate. Like, this guy was a world class heel. Um, just brilliant. you look him up, he, he has like the most sort of prickish, punchable, like smug face. I love it. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah, he's a wanker. Um, yeah. And and this guy. Like, his whole thing, his gimmick was he'd come out in, like, a different, like, sports car every week. His whole thing was that he came from wealth and all. Um, and then, anyway, randomly, they put the belt on him, and they, they changed him to a baby face. And his entire gimmick, as he went up against this um, racist kind of, well, not, this conservative anti-immigration guy, Jack Swagger, um and Del Rio was the was the face and he was like oh I came to America to find work and I followed the American dream and it just did not sit the crowd were booing him nobody liked it um he went into WrestleMania he had a triple threat match with Jack Swagger and a guy called Dolph Ziggler um who at the time was mad over even though he was the heel um he was really over because everyone loved his work ethic he's great at selling which means he was great at looking like he was taking a beating um (laughs) And anyway, Del Rio won. The no crowd. higher compliment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, he won. Del Rio won. The crowd weren't really all that into it. And then the next night on Raw, it was what's known as the the weirdest crowd or the greatest crowd of all time in the history of Raw. And this was the night that started that phenomenon. Um, and Del Rio, I think he had a match one on one with Jack Swagger, which he won. But then Jack Swagger went to town on his knee after, or his arm, was it? Ankle, ankle. His ankle. He had the ankle lock finisher. Yeah yeah, 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 that's right. So he went to town on his ankle, like <laughs> properly fucked him up. Um, and then the match was over. Del Rio was recovering in the ring, and then Ziggler's music hits because he was the Money in the Bank champion, which gives him the right to cash in 
for a match <laughs> at any time. Uh, you need to sell the insanity of wrestling too. What um, a clause to have in a contract. I know, it's unbelievable. <laughs> like but, in the UFC, fucking, you know, Connor defends the belt and then just like fucking I don't know, Mike Tyson comes out, he's got the contract! <laughs> okay, we're fighting, we have to fight you. It was, it's, again, it's the kind of thing that you can't have in most, if not any other sports, where someone can just interrupt a match and be like, oh, here we have the match to Derby. Oh, hang on a minute, Celtic! Celtic are here! Yeah. It's a fucking three-way now! <laughs> but this was so good, because... The crowd were just so not into Del Rio as champion. Like, it just it wasn't working. Nobody was buying it. It just made no sense. And the crowd loved Ziggler. And Ziggler's music hit. And everybody went fucking nuts. And it was like, it was like they knew they fucked up, but they didn't want to change it at WrestleMania because it would have been too cliche. So they left it till the night after. Ziggler comes out with the contract, cashes in. Everyone is losing their minds. Um, and then uh, Ziggler goes to town on Del Rio, goes straight at him, um, and then he goes for the pin. He uses his finisher, he goes for the pin, and he only gets a two count. And then Del Rio hits him off the ropes and drags him somehow into an armbar, which is Del Rio's finisher. And then uh, the whole crowd is like booing, and everyone is like, ah, shit, they fucked this up. They're going to mm-hmm. they're gonna leave the belt on Del Rio and have Ziggler lose his chance. And then Ziggler uses a counter to get out of the armbar by going after Del Rio's injured ankle. And then lifts him up, does his finisher, gets the win. And it was just, like, the way they handled this situation was great. They corrected it. And then at the next pay-per-view, these two guys went one-on-one. And they did a double turn where Del Rio actually became the bad guy again. And Ziggler was the sympathetic, like, uh, figure uh, that the crowd were cheering for. Very difficult skill. Very difficult. Yeah. So you have to be... Again, tell the story with your body, and I think I think I remember that match quite well. I think because Del Rio was being super aggressive and just yeah. kicking him in the head. Yeah, he was like just going, and, and like the commentary team handled it really well. It was great. Like I, I only picked that one because it's a recent one, and I don't really know mm. the age range of the listeners, like when they will have listened to mm. or watched wrestling rather. But um, that's like that's a good example of them uh, adequately correcting course in accordance yeah, with. Yeah, you even. You even have, like, the moment where Del Rio's kind of, let's just jump on that, just the moment where Del Rio's like, why don't you like me? He's like doing, come on, like, cheer me, I'm kicking this guy. It's like, yeah, but you're just repeatedly kicking him in the head. Yeah. And he didn't do that much wrong in the first place to, like, deserve that much of a beating. So you can justify it, you know, if the story involves someone, I don't know kidnapping this does happen by the way kidnapping like a friend or or a, a, a manager or whatever and the other guy's like i will kick this shit out of you but like, yes this case it was like well he used his contract to win yet you were kicking him in the head possibly ending his career yeah so, you know <laughs> yeah. cheer me oh no i don't think so um that's that's a great moment though and that, again that's when you forget all about you know fakeness realness and you just get into the idea of like the charisma of the people the story um the improvisations you've got like it's, it's multifaceted i think the word i'm looking for i guess yeah yeah it's it's the, there's just there's so many so many cogs in the wheel like turning uh at, like while a wrestling show is going on and i guess that's the one thing i'd like people to take away is that it's real to me damn it but yeah nice. and <laughs> And on top of all that, like, they're doing that live in front of 10,000 people. Yeah. So you're playing with emotions of 10,000 people at once. 
And that that's not an easy skill to acquire. And that's yeah. why like only zero point like one percent of people in the world do it, and then a fraction of that are actually successful at it. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, this because... was a this was a really good podcast, I think. Yeah? <laughs> oh, I think like <laughs> I don't know, I'd be interested to, if people are still listening and on YouTube and can be bothered to leave a comment, I'd like you to let me know if you watch wrestling or not, because that'd be a pretty good sort of survey to take, uh, to, to judge on the comments. But um, Even gauge who you liked and who you didn't like and the reason why you got into it. Cause I always find that bit is to be the most bonding bit about any fandom is like, what attracted you into it? Because yeah. you find yourself actually listening to other people, and you're, you you start remembering things about your own, you know, like not as in like, oh, you're really boring. I'm just gonna think my own thoughts while you are talking. <laughs> it's more like you kind of go, ah, oh, you know, I never really thought of it from that aspect. I never really took that away from that moment. You, and then you look back, and this is why people like like to listen because wrestling podcasts are very, 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 very popular. Yeah. Um, for that fandom, for that demographic, because I think that like. You're interested in what other people think um, more than perhaps a film or a tea or, or even programming because that's kind of like there's a general consensus of if an episode was good or bad. It, it it's just it's just hard to explain. Whereas in wrestling, because it's so segmented into little bits, um, you can say that three parts of the show were good and four parts of the show were bad without taking away from the other and just saying like overall it was this. But you can say like I like these three people and you go oh, I don't really pay attention to those people. Why do you like them? Oh, I like them because they're good at this, and 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 have this sort of thing, and you're like, I don't get it, or I do get it. So I really am interested to know what people like, why they got into it, and why they stuck with it or didn't stick with it. Yeah, yeah, that would be a pretty good piece of information considering we're going yeah. to do a wrestling podcast. <laughs> Doing market research, like yeah, as yeah. a medium, but it's true because I I think that like um what especially with I mean again I I don't expect everybody that is listening to a be a massive fan of wrestling or be even like um wrap their heads around certain aspects of it because there's certain bits that i can't wrap my head around yeah yeah but just like with any industry there is there is a lot of um i suppose i don't know to me like i always go back to word layers because it, it just um it, it just feels like with wrestling more than like a film or a tv show there but don't get me wrong those have layers too obviously but it's completely different from anything else because it's like it's too fake to be a sport, but it's too real to be flat out like a film, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 too fake to be a reality TV show, um, but then like it's too real to be like a tame sort of. I don't know. It's it, it's a really like goddamn interesting medium though. Uh, like especially when they tell like actual real like stories that sometimes are based on real things and like they they tell different angles like it's i don't know it's it's kind of mind-blowing that it's a thing and that so many people like it and it's even more mind-blowing to know that the majority of the audience is over the age of 50 too that's 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 crazy um i just wanted to say this as well um i don't know if you want to throw this as a little nugget um, or maybe even put this one out by itself because I think this is something I was looking up into the research and this is the kind of thing that wrestling fans who do like wrestling will be like, ugh, that is true. People who don't like wrestling I think will find it quite entertaining. Um, I just want to talk 
to everybody listening, hopefully still listening, um, and you obviously, Elden Ring, hopefully you're still listening as well. What? That would be cool. <laughs> hey, what? Wrestling for Yeah. Um, plug, plug, plug. But no, um, I was going to say, the journey of a gentleman who is known simply as Kane. Yes. So... Um, I'm I'm doing this off the top of my head, but this is something I was thinking about actually on the bus on the way home, and it like it covered the journey in terms of like, man, this is some crazy ass shit. So yeah. oh, wait. Kane, before this will be the last part of the show, right? So when you're done oh, talking, yeah. we're gonna ride out to Crack Addict by Limp Bizkit. So yeah, boy. Yeah. So thanks um, everyone for listening, this... and and yeah, you go, you go, you tell the story. Okay? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, many thanks. I um, appreciate it. And yeah, I am not from Scotland. Um, so yeah, <laughs> as a little clue there, if you made it this far, where I'm not from, um, Kane. So you get this character called the Undertaker, and he's got a younger brother, Kane, whose backstory was that when they were young, the Undertaker accidentally like burnt him or burnt something about him, and. <laughs> Fast forward to the year, I don't even know what year this is meant to take place. Fast forward to the year 1997, a dude called Paul Bearer haha, hangs around The Undertaker and he's like, yo, your brother's coming, dude. And he's he's actually had training in professional wrestling, which is convenient, but he's coming to kick your fucking head in. The Undertaker's like, I will not fight my brother. I don't believe you. He died in that fire. I don't believe you. Spring, this dude comes out, right? Big giant red dude comes out, beats the fuck out of The Undertaker. This is the year 97. So I'm not going to talk about the matches. Or I'm not going to talk about um, what happened, you know, on a sort of, you know, jump point to jump point. I'm just going to talk about a yearly character development <laughs> of the Kane character. So 97, he doesn't talk. He's The Undertaker's brother, and that's all we know. 98, turns out he's Paul Bearer's son. Right, the dude who's managing the other guy didn't remember to drop that in. He spoke with a voice box, so, and he threatened to set himself on fire if he didn't win one match. This dude's putting it all on the line, right? <laughs> that was the year '98. Let's go to '99. He has a girlfriend called China. She breaks up with him. He's so depressed he wants to commit himself to the insane asylum. The corporation, the main bad guys, hire him into their corporation group, and they start calling them the Big Red Retard. And at one point, he's in the ring, and they're like, "Do our bidding," and they point to the side, and it's like the dudes with like the fucking gurney and the straitjacket, as if like you can hold that over someone's head. Yeah, hilarious, right? So we're in '99. All of a sudden, he makes another friend called X Pac. They become the, the tag team champions. That guy, X-Buck, turns on him because Kane had a girlfriend called Tori. She <laughs> then turns on him as well, subsequently leaving him alone again. And she spends the entire time saying that he had both either a small dick or a burnt dick. Dude, like, he's a stud, though. China he's and back... Tori. I know. And it's just odd, but it's like always ends in complete heartbreak, right? Yeah. So we're now in the year 2000. Um, he comes back. doesn't need his voice box anymore. Not explained why. Um, so that's mostly year 2000 in terms of development. 2001, him and his brother get back together. They're a tag team again. He basically now talks like any other bloke would talk. He doesn't even like have any distortions. He's just a normal talking bloke, right? 2002, we find out that he had sex possibly with a corpse. 
basically it's revealed in a promo that this character, whilst he was in college, he actually he actually was in a car crash with a girl called Katie Vick, didn't tell anyone, and apparently in high school he was a jock. Like in the high school like American football team, he was like the classic quarterback. He had the same dude who was burnt, right? <laughs> The other guy who accuses him of murdering her, he says it's an accident, he accuses him of murdering her, he says, not only did you murder her, you had sex with her in her fucking dead, what's the rigor mortis state. And to prove it, I'm going to cut the footage of me, dressed as you, having sex with her, right? That's 2002, okay? Fast forward 2003, he, he loses his mask, turns out he wasn't burnt at all, that the burns were actually in his mind, Right? So this dude's like beyond like Hannibal Lecter. This dude's like when I look in the mirror, I see actual flames and scars on my face. And no one – his dad then – his girlfriend, his dad, his brother then bothered to go, yo, please, you don't have to wear this mask. You're fine. <laughs> right? And as a result of his mask removal, he gets so angry that during an interview, he decides to set an announcer on fire. <laughs> This man is on fire, burning, doesn't get fired, doesn't get suspended, um, right? Fast forward to the year 2004, all of a sudden, Kane wants to be a dad, right? So what does he do? He starts beating up a guy called Matt Hardy in order for his missus to shag him <laughs> as a way of making him stop to at stopping attacking the other dude. Fucking hell, this is like, there's levels here, many levels, right? Layers. <laughs> Lay- oh, layers. That's, that's yeah, layers crisps. And then he he it comes out that she's pregnant, right? And Matt he doesn't even though it, this is on television, Matt doesn't know any of this. He's just like, oh, it must be mine. It ain't fucking yours, pal. So as he's about to propose to her, Kane comes on the big screen and he's like, it's mine. And he's just like, oh, we're good, right? And then they have a match. They have a match to decide the future of Lita. They love women. Um, future of Lita is they have a match, and the winner gets to marry Lita. Kane wins, marries Lita. She somehow hates him. She fucking hates him, but she's like, well, I got to have your kid. By the way, I'm pretty sure that rape is implied in the storyline, which is fucked up as well. It's, this is – oh, God. Um, this is in doing all the work that we were doing, but I think honestly, this story is one of the best. Like, this is mad. This is nuts. This is Game of and, Thrones level shit right here. Yeah, this is yeah, but one guy. <laughs> um, so, um, all of a sudden, Kane is fighting a guy, and Lita is like, "Don't hit him with a chair. That's not fair. This guy's a, a jobber, so he's one of the guys meant to lose." But the guy hits Kane in the back with a chair. He falls into Lita. She loses the baby. But it wasn't his fault. <laughs> it wasn't the guy's fault because he, that was his character. The guy then does that. And then Kane, the rapist guy who married her even though she didn't want anything to do with him, they then become the good guys because I guess she's developed like what's that called? Stockholm Syndrome Stockholm, or some shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they're actually against the other guy – and Lita and Kane are, like, making out. They're like, yeah, this is cool, man. This is awesome. Which, that's 2004 leading into 2005, right? 2005, Lita, another – women. Kane's not good with women. She then screws him over and goes with a guy called Edge. Then, 2006, his film comes out. And for some reason, the date 
of the film that the film comes out in called May 19th mm-hmm. becomes for some reason a reason for him to lose his fucking mind. So he'll be having a match and for some reason we'll hear the voices in his head because they'll just start going, May 19th. It's like, what the fuck? May he 19th starts... was the date that Katie Vick died, wasn't it? No, it was the date that um, the house went on fire. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. The Katie Vick thing at least would have made sense. That's that, 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 that would have been a good plot point, but they just arched it right back to the one they made up in the first place. And it's like, that's the day where my parents, who isn't that guy who wrestled here and that guy whose dad wrestled with the other guy, not him, my parents burnt the house down, da 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 right? And then the weirdest shit happens because we get to May 19th and a fake – a man dressed as Kane comes out. Fake Kane comes out. I remember this. <laughs> He beats up the real Kane, yeah. but then the storyline doesn't get quite over with the people. It's not popular with the people. So then <laughs> Kane literally the next night after being beaten up like with no fight back, just punches him in the face, takes off his mask, and it's just like, oh, that was just some imposter. Like they didn't even follow that through. Yeah, it was some random guy who never got over. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, again, that's not getting specific with that guy. Was that guy's actually relevant now? Right, so now we're at the year 2006. Sorry if I, if this is like, if this is like confusing people, but I'm trying to go through it like in a way that it's just like this is hilariously mad. I highly doubt anyone is confused. <laughs> <laughs> it's not confusing, but it is strange. Then he finally moves on to he goes to the sea show, beats a guy in three minutes, and generally in terms of like madness, stays very very low key. I mean, he attacks a guy with a hook in the chain. But, you know, who hasn't done that after a bad day of work, right? Just get the chain and the hook and just throttle someone. Yeah, let's be real. Right? We've, all, we've all done that. We cut to, um, I'd say, the, 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 the next time that the sort of the madness, because he kind of became like a normal guy. He was just a guy who was a bit from hell. Like, he attacked Rey Mysterio. <laughs> <bit> from hell. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't fully hellish at this point. It was weird. Um, he attacks um, Rey Mysterio as a small guy with a mask, and he says, your mask is a source of embarrassment. What are you hiding? Is your face burnt as well? And it's like, nah, mate, I'm just a luchador. This is kind of a pride thing. I'll oh, take it off. He's right, Doesn't too. Fuck Rey Mysterio. Yeah. Doesn't, <laughs> Doesn't do it. We get to the weirdest part of the story. And actually, it might be weirder when we get to the end of the story where he is now. But 2010, he basically, Undertaker is found. And they keep using this word, vegetative state. They don't say he was in a coma. Keep saying vegetative state for some reason, right? And Kane's like, I'm going to find out. This is so like, it, it's so like, you did it, didn't you? Because he's like, I'm going to find out who did it, you know? And all, and it gets revealed that like he was the one that did it. And he's like, that's right. My plan to put him in a coma that I've been working on for 10 years. <laughs> that was his plan to just put him in the coma. That was it, right? That's a horrible plan. <laughs> That's a ridiculously horrible plan. Right? <laughs> like, oh, so you've been plotting for 10 years. What if you've been... Like, you, you might as well arrange to have him killed at that point if you're yeah. playing it for 10 years, right? Yeah. He then... He then fights The Undertaker one more time. The matches are utterly shit. Like, I mean, they're, I mean, they're good from a sort of a um, nostalgia point of view, but if you look at the matches, they're very dark rough mm. and then he, he fights this other guy called edge I'll, I'll try to wrap this up in the next five minutes honestly <laughs> um he fights this guy called edge 
who takes that dude, Paul Bearer, that I mentioned earlier, his quote-unquote father, he kills him. He actually kills him. He takes this man hostage. This is the good guy now who's attacking Kane's dad. He takes him and he, like, either throws him in the freezer or something. It's and like just a pretty cement much... truck, isn't it? That was the one with Taker. This oh, is that a different... was a different one again. This guy's died a lot of times. <laughs> this guy's died loads. Um, and then after that, Kane let, you know hung around for a while after his sort of fake fake dad, real dad, whatever. After he died in storyline, and disappears, right? And all of a sudden, we go to 2012, and you get these vignettes of the masks or like video packages of him wearing the mask. And you're like, oh my god, he's coming back with the mask. Tax John Cena, and he's like, I feel like you should embrace the hate. That's his new catchphrase, you know. He talks like a normal bloke. So he just happens to be wearing a mask. It is then revealed that he's been attending anger management classes, <laughs> which arguably he would have should have been doing that about ten years before that. Yeah. This is 2012. Starts teaming up with this guy called Daniel Bryan. Starts hugging him. This was Hug- amazing. Like I it sounds horrible, but it's hilarious. I loved that storyline. I loved Team Hell No so much. They were so <laughs> damn good, so entertaining. That's what made Daniel Bryan popular. But like, they have these anger management segments, and they are hilarious. But again, in the context of what I'm telling you, listen to that story. This is the same bloke who like raped a woman <laughs> and fucking married and the corpse. Him. <laughs> and the corpse of another person, right? So he finally, he go, they go through anger management, they're teaming up, they're super buddies, and then a little while after that, he gets set on fire by a guy called Bray Wyatt, and he just leaves. Yeah. Comes back a little while on, we're now going to 2013, gives his mask to the boss and says, I'm done with that, I'm now corporate. He comes out in a suit, it looks so fucking weird, this demon from hell just coming out in a suit. And they kind of separate. They would go, that's um, corporate Kane, not the actual Kane. So every now and then he'll break up the mask and he attacked Brian with that. And then he went back to being corporate Kane and helping out other people. And nowadays, what's he up to? I believe he is running for Congress. No, he's running for a mayoral seat in Knox County as a Republican. That's right, yeah. That guy. And that's not a character. That's not a rest. That's not a storyline. <laughs> That's not the Kane. That's the real life dude doing that. And Man. I thought I would leave on that note and just say how mad wrestling is. Right about now. It's time to get busy, one, two, three, Shut the fuck up and bring that ballistic Rip from the biscuit, straight through the speakers with the Hey, hey, check this future shock Of rock revolution, punk, oh my god Here it comes, so shut it up You keep on talking, we go Shut your ass straight the fuck up Call the cops, look up in the stands Got another riot on our hands I pulled this mic straight out my toolkit The fix you wanna be ruined all the music But never mind, those phonies never get it The phonies just deny it, cause rocking in the diet Apocalypse now, who's talking shit now? Give me the countdown Three, two, one Here we go again Right 
wanna fill up my lungs with some butane Turn the mic into a flame Damn that shit's hot Super heavy, built like a Chevy And I ain't really mad at the hey, hey My significant chocolate Three dollar bills from the cockpit Oh my god Round two, you ready for a break? You keep on talking, I'ma break you off something like this Full throttle, better be prepared Coming with the kick and the snare And a downright dirty, ruthless movement Watch you have to ruin all the music No stopping till we knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door Better on the floor, apocalypse now Who's talking shit now? Give me the countdown Three, two, one Sure.